1: Hello and welcome to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kiefer Blakesley. Today we have for you a wonderful show. We're going to be talking about the films Ready Player One, Pacific Rim Rising, Black Panther, Isle of Dogs, and Backyard Wilderness, and Wrinkle in Time. Right now I'm here with the wonderful Jerry Ores and Benjamin talking about the highly anticipated action-packed Steven Spielberg extravaganza Ready Player One. I have been excited for this film ever since I saw the trailer, and I'm so glad it's out right now. Let's get right into it, shall we? First of all, Jerry, you got to go to the premiere on your birthday, might I add. Everybody, it's Jerry's birthday. Well, it was his birthday. So, happy birthday to Jerry. And I just got to ask, I only have one question for you. Did you meet Steven Spielberg finally?
2: Like, No, I did not.
1: Ah, I was rooting for you. Right when I heard that you were doing the premiere, I'm like, He's, he hopefully meets Spielberg. He hopefully meets Spielberg. Ah, well, better luck next time then. Oh, that's such a shame. But how was the premiere? Tell me about it.
2: Well, the premiere was amazing. Almost the entire cast was there from the movie. I mean, definitely learned so much about the film, uh, interviewed many different actors. Um, I interviewed Ty Sheridan, who plays the main character, Parzabel, interviewed um, Ben Mendelssohn who plays Sorrento. I interviewed Simon Pegg, who plays Audra Moreau. I interviewed... Ernest Cline and uh, Zach Penn—they wrote the script. Uh, so yeah, I learned a lot about the film. I learned um, that they did motion capture when they're making it, since a lot of the film is kind of CGI. And overall, it was a really great event.
1: All the things you have done with motion capture—it's so—it's fantastic because they look. Motion capture has gone such a long way, and it's fantastic they were able to utilize it, especially since Spielberg has knows exactly what to do with motion capture. So. Tell me about um, one of your favorite people you interviewed on the Red Carpet.
2: Well, I have to say my favorite was Ernest Cline. I absolutely loved Ready Player One as a book before it was turned into a film, and to be able to meet him and kind of talk to him, that was a really cool experience. I asked him what he thought when he thought Ready Player One be- can become a reality, because in there there's a lot of futuristic technology related to virtual reality and a massive, massive online world, and he. Said that he thinks it's not going to be that far away. He was really surprised how quickly the technology is growing. He actually published his book right before this kind of evolution started that we're seeing today with Oculus Rift and HTC Vive and everyone jumping out on board the train. So it was, it's just kind of interesting to talk to him because he kind of almost predicted a world like that that's now, now, may very much happen in, in our lifetimes.
1: Well, it's fantastic you got to meet such amazing people um benjamin i want to know what you thought of the film
3: uh i loved it and it exceeded my expectations in a way because i was worried it wouldn't live up to the book because it's like my favorite easily one of my favorite books and i've gone back and reread it multiple times and um it's weird it it was different from the book but just enough or it had embodied the same themes in a way that I really enjoyed and I liked that it sort of expanded on it and it wasn't a straight retread of what the book was and that it developed some characters a little bit more and maybe changed some plot points a little bit so but overall is is really entertaining and fun and imaginative.
1: Especially because I mean the book is full is chock full of everything we love about the 80s and I feel like only Spielberg is the only person that could have like brought this film to life because, I mean, how are you gonna get Iron Giant, A Delorean, and many other, fantastics like childhood memory, memory like eighties films without Spielberg? So it's fantastic what they would have put in this movie. So, um, Benjamin, you're—I believe you—you re- you said you read the book, correct? Yeah. So, what did you like? About the, what did you like about this film that may have changed, from the, that may have strayed away from the book? Like, what did you like about, what change did you like?
3: I thought some of the supporting characters got a little bit more um, detailed personalities and more good character moments that made you really find them likable. Um, I really enjoyed the book, but I'll admit some of the characters are a little less interesting than others, and I felt some of those that felt a little less interesting got more time to shine here. I also liked that uh, they changed. So in the book, there's uh, three keys you have to find to win control of the Oasis and challenges you have to do to unlock those keys. And I liked that the challenges were um, a little more sophisticated this time. So like one of them was a recreation of The Shining, which is easily one of the best sequences of the film. And then the um, the third sequence is it they uh the third sequence is one where you know you're playing Atari and they felt like they were changed but to be honest they felt more connected into the general plot of the book and the person orchestrating this whole contest.
1: Well, fantastic. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kiva Blakesley, and this show is sponsored, sponsored by Mo season two. We're gonna continue our conversation with the wonderful Jerry and Benjamin about Ready Player One. So, Jerry, you've read the book. What did you like? What, uh, there were of course are some changes with the book. Changes with the movie that the book didn't have, but like what did you think about the changes? And did you feel like they like as a fan of the book ruined the film for you?
2: No, I think they made it a lot better. I love the book, and I'll swear by the book, but it's not good directly as a film. Even though it's it's interesting to read about a character playing a video game, it's not very visually interesting. So if you put it on a film for two hours, it's going to be kind of boring. And I'm really glad that they changed it. And what I'm really happy about is that they changed a lot of the nostalgia. It's not just, you know, straight 80s, everything is strictly from the 80s, 80s this, 80s that which really limits the audience, it does expand it quite a lot. So there's a lot more modern references for modern video games, modern films, modern comics. Uh, soon, just from the like, uh, first 10 seconds, you see something that came out recently and everyone's boasting about. So I'm really happy that they did that because I did feel a little left out. I mean, I love a lot of 80s films, but other than that, I didn't grow up in the 80s generations and I wasn't able to relate to that. So I am happy that they changed the kind of almost cult group that they had in the book
1: oh, fantastic now um what did you think what do you think is your favorite character in this film jerry
2: Ooh, that would be very tough
1: i think that
2: one of my favorite characters would probably be sorrento it's I, something about him is, it's just really, really great. Ben Mendelsohn, you know, he's always great at playing video, not videos, uh, villains, and just to see him in this film with Sorrento was perfect absolutely perfect it was like that character was just specifically written from it for him in every single way and i mean he just nailed that character and he was comedic humor for quite a few scenes and what was so funny about him is just he didn't really want to deal with it he had very little kind of reaction to humor like you would naturally have which made it even more hilarious he was a serious businessman and he was realistic too he wasn't someone who was uh quote-unquote, bad guy. He was just a businessman who wanted to make money. And how he wanted to make money was pretty terrible, but that's all he was. He was a businessman. And I kind of like that they gave that character a lot more depth in the film as well.
1: And Benjamin, what would you say is your favorite character?
3: Um, I'd say, I was going to say Sorrento or H, so I'll just say H. Uh, H is very funny. It's very good Ki was my favorite character in the book too, but um he's got a certain sense of humor, and uh there's some funny scenes in the movie where he's kind of unsure with this whole crazy virtual world he's in, and it's fun to see him react to a lot of certain things and I like the relationship that uh or the friendship that he and Wade have and sort of their banter with one another, I think is very charming.
1: wonderful. Now, Jerry, you are the Steven Spielberg expert. How does this compare to his other films?
2: Um, I think it's kind of more like Who Framed Roger Rabbit than, for example, Saving Private Ryan. It's a fun film. It's definitely a family film. Um, I have to say, though, it's not my favorite. I don't think it would be close to my favorite. I think there was a lot of issues with the film they could have fixed pretty easily. And one of the worst things about it that is extremely rare in a Steven Spielberg film is that the acne is pretty subpar. The weird thing is when you're in the virtual world and it's all motion capture and all they have to do is voiceover, it's really good, it's entertaining, it's natural, it's really nice. But in the real world, it just feels monotone. I mean, the main characters, Parzival and Artemis, who are played by Tara Sheridan and Olivia Cook, they have a romance throughout the film, and it's pretty fake feeling. It feels very unnatural. It feels very forced. And at the end of the film, you're kind of like, well, why did they have to include this? It has no purpose, and it just felt really annoying, honestly.
1: I can hear the kind of frustration in your voice there, Jerry, and that's... <laughs> I mean, but uh, that's totally understandable because, I mean, that is very, like, it's not, that doesn't usually happen in Spielberg film. He usually does get the best of actors. But, hey, at least they're great in the in the virtual world, which is where the exciting stuff happens. Very true. Uh, Benjamin, how many stars should you give this film, and what do you say is the age recommendation?
3: I'm going to have to disagree with you on um, the relationship between Wade and Artemis, but I would give this film an age rating of, um, 12 to 18, because there is some language, there's not really any violence, but there's, uh, a couple scenes of language, and there's some scenes that could frighten younger children, um, and I'm gonna give it four and a half out of five stars, uh, easily one of my favorite films I've seen so far this year.
1: And Jerry, how many stars would you give this film?
2: I would give it a four out of five stars because I think that while there are some issues with the acting and all that, I still think that visually it's a masterpiece and it's absolutely massive achievement. And really, if you watch this film, you're going to enjoy watching it.
1: Well, I'm going to the theater right after of this because I can't wait to finally see this film because this is just ah, so exciting. Thank you so much, Jerry and Benjamin, for talking about Ready Player One. It's been a pleasure as always. And happy birthday, Jerry. Thank you. This film is in theaters now, so please go take yourself into a world of pure imagination to go check out Ready Player One. You won't regret it. Thank you so much for listening. We are going to take a break. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, so and you've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions.
0: We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers.
3: On the Voice America Kids Network, I'm Benjamin from Washington, D.C., and today we'll be talking about Ready Player One, Black Panther, Isle of Dogs, Backyard Wilderness, and A Wrinkle in Time. Now we're going to be talking with Cameron about Pacific Rim Uprising. So, how is it going today?
5: (laughs) I'm doing well. How are you?
3: I'm doing very fine, too. So, what did you think of Pacific Rim Uprising?
5: So, what I thought about Pacific Rim Uprising, it could have been better. It was good. Like, it has an interesting plot and setting, and it. it's based off the original film Pacific Rim. It was pretty good, but I believe Pacific Rim, the first movie, was better than the sequel, sadly.
3: Okay, well, I haven't seen the first one, so I don't really have any point of view going to this one, but I really want to check it out so I can see this one. But, um, so what is this film about?
5: So it is surrounding from the first movie, of course, and it's after the war, which was won ten years ago. So this is ten years later, where the world is technically destroyed. People are surviving off of scraps of, of everything, and robots. And robots are called Jaegers instead. And these Jaegers are used to protect the people. Technically, now some of the people expect. Um, another uprising of kaijus which is like evil robots that fight and are against the human race technically they believe that these kaiju are going to come back one day sooner or later and these people are building jaegers are trying to survive off of that are technically living in fear and then there's another set of people who are just living life so the whole movie is based on if something else is going to happen after the war or is the war technically over it's just the whole movie is based around that idea.
4: So
3: what did you think about like the special effects in this film? Because it looks like there's like a lot of action sequences. And uh, I gather from the first specific room that there are a lot of scenes in this movie where it's literally just like robots and aliens punching each other (laughs) in the face.
5: Yeah, there is a lot of scenes of them just fighting. There's also a scene where There's um, one of the main characters named um, Amara Namani, and she's just standing there, and everything is just... (laughs) Everything's breaking down, and she's just standing there like, what am I supposed to do? And it just seems really real with coming to, like, the fighting uh, with the robots, the Jaegers, the kaiju. They just look real and in person. But you have to watch it to see, like, how up close it is. I can't even describe how good the graphics were. Cool. So...
3: um. Were, was the story as strong as the special effects, or were this, so how was the story?
5: How was the story? It was, it was good, I guess, since they are continuing from the first movie. I guess what it lacked was, I don't know, I don't know what it lacked, like it was mediocre. Maybe if they had better actors or a more deadlier uh, catch or like climax, I think the movie would be better. But since they're basing it off the first movie, they couldn't really make it worse. Like, they couldn't make a worse situation because the first movie was the worst situation, which it ended. So I guess it's just missing a climax. It's missing something that uh, the actors want, like, they're fighting for, I guess.
4: Cool. So,
3: like, stakes. like The biggest
5: you know. climax that they could, like, I guess. But that was the only thing that the movie was missing, if... They had that, I think the movie would be really better, like more people would want to see it. But other than that, it was just an okay, mediocre movie. So, um, do you think it the movie would have been better if they had
3: kept with the characters from the first one instead of introducing like John
5: Boyega and uh the new set of characters? Actually, you have a yes. I feel like if they did have the old characters, they, it would have been, uh, yeah, that you you're, yes. It would have been a better movie with the older characters and the new set of characters. Yes, it just seemed weird
3: to me when I like first heard about the movie that the, instead of bringing the characters back, they were just bringing in a whole new set. So uh, going off of that, how was um, I like John Boyega from Star Wars and stuff, and I was excited to see him in this one. So how did he do?
5: He did well. He played the part good. He was like um he was a witty person, very sarcastic with other other characters in the movie. Um compared to The Force Awakens, he was like he was a totally different person compared. But in this movie he was funny. It was it was pretty funny to watch. I don't know. He was a very good actor in this film and also The Force Awakens.
3: Do you have any comments on the general you said you liked the special effects but any comments on the general like how the fighting scenes were done in terms of just all that happened like were they well choreographed and just seeing cool robot on alien stuff that you didn't think you'd see but uh, otherwise
5: <laughs> i get yes it is actually pretty it's pretty the movie was pretty cool to think about because technically it could happen in our real real life situation um that was the only interesting that robots could come out from under the ground and just come and attack attack us, that thought made me feel like the movie was real and it made me feel like watching this movie is very, it's important for me to watch this and figure out what to do. Um, but any other comments? I don't think I have any. Just if you watch this movie, you're going to, you would like fighting. If you like robots and just seeing people fight against each other, I think you're going to enjoy this movie even more than I did. Cool. So, uh,
3: what age? Ra- Finally, what age rating and star rating would you give this film?
5: Um, I rate this film a four out of five stars because yes, it was okay. Um, and my age recommendation is fourteen to eighteen because there is violence, there is some language. I I don't remember specific, but there is some language and jokes, and there is some like gross scenes that even I got. I got heebie-jeebies about. But <laughs> other than that, fourteen to 18
3: year olds yeah nah heebie jeebies can really be the worst in some of these <laughs> movies uh well thank you for talking with me today uh it's no, been fun too. yeah so you're listening to kids first coming attractions on the voice and erica kids network we've just been talking about pacific Rim uprising with cameron and right now we'll be switching gears to uh talk with Kiefer about black panther so Kiefer, how's it going
1: I'm excited to talk about Black Panther. I haven't talked about this movie on the show yet, so I'm very excited.
3: So Black Panther has been breaking, like, tons of box office records. Everyone loves it. Do you think it lived up to the hype? Here's my thing.
1: I love this movie. I love everything about it. But my problem is is this, is that it's called Black Panther. This movie should be called Women of Wakanda. If If you've seen this film, the women in this film are fantastic. Fantastic! Lupita Nyongan, um, Daniel Correa, all these all the women in here are fantastic, and all and Michael B. Jordan's character is fantastic. Forrest Whitaker's fantastic, everyone's fantastic. But Black Panther's very one-dimensional. And that, and I'm and some people are gonna fight me on that because I didn't find Black Panther the most interesting character in this film because his his goal was to try to be a good king, and I didn't find a very clear arc with him. However, not to say Chadwick Boseman didn't do a good job. In fact, Chadwick Bozeman's ever since cause it's funny because I the first movie I ever reviewed on Kids First was 42, which is was
3: oh.
1: which was his breakout cool. role. I and yeah. it's funny because when I did that review, I'm like, this kid's going somewhere. And look <clears> what now. Um but I love him so much. But it's just like the writing for him was just like I wanted to like grasp more with him and his connection with his father and his connection as being a king. Cause I saw T'Challa the warrior, but I didn't see T'Challa the king, which I was wanting, I was kind of looking for that. But, either way, I still love this film. I adore it, and it's just, it, yeah, lives up to the expectations.
3: Um, I kind of have to agree with you on that. I thought all the supporting characters were more interesting than T'Challa himself, and more memorable, and, like, all of them deserve their own movies. Um, so... People should know what this movie is about, but um, I guess we should probably tell them. So, what is Black Panther about?
1: Black Panther is basically the, the, the this is the Marvel film that basically is to world build Wakanda. Uh, this is we get to understand this secret nation um, that has been under wraps for many of years, and T'Challa. Played by Chadwick Boisman, is now becoming king, and he has to deal with the past from uh, that his father created, and also try to learn how to become, uh, how to adapt being king of Wakanda. And we learn about a secret. We learn about a um, the secrets that this the nation was built upon, and. It's, it's an interesting story about him trying to become king. So, I don't want to give anything away because there's, there's a lot of twists and turns. But that's basically what the whole film is about.
3: Yeah, I'll say that for a Marvel movie, it was a lot more unpredictable than I thought. So, it's probably good to leave it at secrets. You know, let people go in sort of fresh. Definitely. So, uh, you already talked about how Black Panther, T'Challa himself, Chadwick Boseman, was a little less interesting than the supporting characters and you commented on michael b jordan's character eric killmonger easily my favorite one of my favorite parts of the movie so what did you think about michael b jordan as eric killmonger as a villain
1: i also want to make sure i clarify my statement to say that chadwick boseman's character was was as under it was not as developed as the other characters is is actually a huge compliment because all the characters in here are fantastic and especially Michael B. Jordan's character, and all of them are are, are amazing. So it's 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 like it's it, the ranking them between each other is like is a huge problem because they're fantastic characters. Um, but I have to say Michael B. Jordan is because Marvel has this tendency to have very underdeveloped villains. I can only think of two good villains that we've had in Marvel: Loki, which is a fantastic villain. And I would even say um, Vulture from Home from Spider-Man Homecoming were very good villains. Other than that, the other villains have been very, like, one-dimensional, like, take over the world kind of cliché. But Michael B. Jordan totally destroyed that, uh, that trend by having a very developed character, a very topical character, might I add. And everything you love about an antagonist is here. You feel for him you want you want to you question whether or not the motives of the main character is even correct and you even kind of side with him in a lot of the things he says about uh, how Wakanda shouldn't be hidden and how it should be known so Michael B. Jordan does a fantastic job and it's so good because Marvel usually is redeeming him from for stick so it's good that he's a good Marvel film um, so yeah I love Michael B Jordan I give this film Five out of five stars. It is definitely worth all the hype that everyone's talking about, and uh, the age recommendations: eleven to 30, 11 to eighteen-year-olds. Because I feel like there is, of course, some violence and some language you have to worry about. But honestly, it's it's pretty mild. It's pretty mild action for a Marvel film. So definitely go check it out because it is truly a very important film for not only the Marvel Cinematic Universe but just for diversity in Hollywood which of course we need more of so uh, I'm advocating um, for for it to hopefully get a sequel because I hopefully I want to see more of Wakanda so see what
3: happens couldn't have said it better if you haven't seen it yet go see this movie not only because it's important but it's just really really good so thank you for talking with me today Kiefer always a pleasure Let's take a break. I'm Benjamin from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Malang Season 2.
0: Are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up.
1: Hello and welcome back to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and we just got done talking about Black Panther, and I do have to say the film was fantastic. And we're going to continue the show talking about Isle of Dogs, Backyard Wilderness, and Wrinkle in Time. Right now, I'm here with the wonderful Benjamin talking about Isle of Dogs. In fact, one quick fact. If you say the word, if you say the title fast enough, guess what it says? I love dogs. Uh,
3: Yeah. Didn't even notice that until after I saw it.
1: (laughs) It's so cute. I love dogs and I love dogs. Speaking of cuteness, let's talk about this film. Uh, Benjamin, first of all, I'm curious. Are you aware of, well, that's a poor question. Have you seen other Wes Anderson films?
3: Yes. Multiple times. I'm fantastic, Mr. Fox. I own on DVD, and um, Moonrise Kingdom, I've, I've watched both of them several times, and they're easily some of my favorite films ever.
1: Okay, then, so I am talking to somebody who is aware of it. So, first of all, before I get into talking about this movie, I want to ask, because Wes Anderson has a very... Distinct. Distinct. That's it. A very distinct style that people will call peculiar. So, for people who have not seen a Wes Anderson film, what advice would you give them?
3: Um, it's a quirky way of looking at life. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird, bizarre characters talking about the human condition, I guess, or in this case, the canine condition. Um, It's just, yeah, it's offbeat, but charming. And, um, there's usually a normal set of actors in each film, and it's just sort of them reflecting on these deep concepts, but in a interesting way.
1: And very dry, might I ask. Yeah. My, very dry acting performances, which you just have to get used to. Yeah, I, my first, my Sanderson film was the Dry, um, Dry G-ling Limited, and I was, I, could not get into it but like when I watched it a few more times and watched his other films I I fell in love with it because this is a film you have it's just a style you just have to get used to so getting into the film itself um, tell me about the animation style because it is stop motion which is not used a lot but Wes Anderson thankfully with Mr. Fantastic Fox and now this film keeps the art form alive so what did you think about the stop motion in this film
3: I really enjoyed it, and I love the way it's presented. This stop-motion animation looks a lot different, whereas Fantastic Mr. Fox had these, like, sort of bright, beautiful tones. The colors used in this film are a lot more muted, and they're simulating particularly less beautiful landscapes for its settings. The trash island where the dogs... Inhabit is not a pretty place. Wes Anderson does such a great job with stop motion because he is so, it seems like he'd be so particular about any one shot in his normal films or his live action films. So here he can physically craft and physically craft the shot he wants to get, which I feel like more directors like him should do because it seems like instead of take after take, you can morph it. Almost. And there's just so much care put into the style here and put into the way the film is presented.
1: Yeah, I think an animation style like this, especially for someone who's meticulous and just OCD as Wes Anderson, I'm sure it's, it gives him such pleasure to just put things exactly where he wants them to put it. And so, because like, Films. He, he does that with live action films, of course, but I bet it's just fun to be able to have all full control of your environment. So tell me about the voice acting because Star Studded cast is an understatement. Bill Murray, Brian Cran- Cranston, Edward Norton, and Scarlett Johansson. So many voice actors. Tell me what you think about them.
3: I thought it was really exciting seeing some more, less obvious Wes Anderson, I guess, followers. Obviously, you got Tilda Swinton, you got Bill Murray, but you also got Brian Cranston, and Yoko Ono, as assistant scientist Yoko Ono, which is just such a bizarre and delightful choice for this film that's perfectly Wes Anderson. Um, I thought Brian Cranston did an excellent job. Not only is his character very complex, but he gives... His character Chief, a sort of gravelly voice that tells me that he's been through a lot in his life and is very weary of a lot of things. So, um, and then there's like Edward Norton and Jeff Goldblum who perfectly embody Wes Anderson's dry humor, like you said. So.
1: Well, I don't know what I'm doing because I'm so far, far behind in movies. But I got to go check out this film because I love Bryce Anderson, and it's just a beautiful film. So uh, how many
3: stars would you give this film, and what is your age recommendation? I'm going to give it er, 12 to 18. This is not a kid's film. Although it is animated and features dogs as protagonists, there is violence, there is language, and suggestive content. It's not anything super traumatizing, but do not. like there. Were, when I went to see it for the screening, there were like three- and four-year-olds there, and I was really confused. So um, I just need to put that out there. And I'd give it 4 out of 5 stars. It kind of lacked the emotional center of his other movies for me. And there weren't as as many poignant moments. Um, But if you like Wes Anderson's style, you'll still have a great time. Even if you're not 100% head over heels with this movie.
1: Well, fantastic. I can't wait to go check it out. Thank you so much, Benjamin, for talking about it. This film is sadly in selected theaters, but... If there's a theater that's showing it, please look it up. Go check it out. It's definitely worth watching watch because, I mean, it's Wes Anderson. How can you go wrong? You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Blake Blakeslee. This show is sponsored by Molang Season 2. We're going to continue this segment talking to Benjamin once again, but this time about backyard wilderness. With a title like that, it's to be interesting. So, Benjamin, tell me about what backyard wilderness is.
3: It is a nature documentary about what lies in your backyard. Or specifically, a young girl named Katie who lives beside a bustling woodland of plants and animals that she is completely oblivious to, as well as her family, because they are consumed by the technology of their fingerprints. You know, phones, video games, you name it. Um, and it sort of follows all the different cycles in nature happening around them and it ties the story in when she gets research a species uh, yeah research an animal and how it's goes about with its life processes that um lives in their environment and thus Katie is you know open to this whole new world of different animals and plants and it's beautiful and it's sort of all about her discovering the world around her almost.
1: So tell me about what you thought uh, of the film entirely. So what did you like about it?
3: I liked a lot of the animal sequence. The sequence is involving animals and plants. There's a lot of crazy cinematography in terms of how how much they were able to get um, of these animals and how close they were able to get and they're able to capture some really beautiful things. I also liked, I thought the message was a little overdone and a little heavy-handed, but it's a good message, Um, and I liked that, too.
1: Wonderful. So what did you say, was there anything in there that you want that was kind of like nitpicky that you may want to change?
3: Yeah, I would take out, the element plot element involve the plot basically involving Katie. I thought this whole Katie plot was sort of shoehorned in there and it felt weird like every time you're seeing these beautiful occurrences within nature and then back to this teenagers discoveries. It's like if it's a documentary, they should let it be a documentary. I w- would have liked it better if they had gotten, you know, someone to narrate what's happening on screen rather than a whole other story tying it all together it just felt sort of out of place with the rest of the movie like two projects just sort of rammed together into one felt yeah it just felt out of place
1: understandable what do you feel like this film teaches kids
3: it teaches you to just not be on your phone all the time or play video games you know there's an entire world around us that's always worth exploring with these wonderful plants and animals and they're fascinating and you know everyone is so concerned with social media and Instagram Snapchat and Twitter these days that sometimes we forget like you know nature's out there um and yeah we, you know we should use it and See what there is to find.
1: I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. I was checking my Instagram. What was that again? I'm kidding. Uh, well, it sounds like a really, it sounds like a good film to teach kids about going out and enjoying and go outside. There was outside. There was sun. So
3: right after you listen to this radio program,
1: right after you, right after you're done listening to this radio program, which you're probably listening inside, take the computer, go outside, and listen to our radio program. Uh, well, thank you so much, Benjamin, for talking. about <laughs> backyard wilderness uh how many stars would you give this film
3: um i'm gonna give it four out of five it's really good and uh look for your show times i guess near like your science center it's not showing in any big commercial movie theaters but um i know it's showing it it's opening at certain science centers across the country so check it out
1: thank you so much benjamin all right
3: go check it out at your
1: local science center i never thought i would say that again but There you go. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and this show is sponsored by Moolang Season 2.
4: Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids.
0: tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Channel. Shh! Turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up.
3: Hey, welcome back. I'm Ben Benjamin from Washington, D.C., and you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about, well, Black Panther, Pacific Rim Uprising, Ready Player One, Isle of Dogs, and Backyard Wilderness. And now we'll be finishing it off with talking with Jerry about A Wrinkle in Time. So, what did you think about A Wrinkle in Time, Jerry?
2: You know, I'm going to start with this. I had quite the emotional roller coaster before this film came out. At first, I really liked it. I thought the trailer was really well-crafted. It looked visually interesting. I watched a few more trailers. I thought, okay, maybe it's not that visually interesting. I talked to the creators of it, and and I'm happy again. I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a great film. I watch it, and it really isn't. It was... A film that creates a world extremely successfully, but it doesn't really fill that world with anyone.
3: I have to agree. I went on quite an emotional roller coaster as well. Quite a quite a roller coaster that just sort of, you know, dropped me off in the end with nothing nothing there. What is a wrinkle in time about?
2: That's an excellent question. I was wondering the same thing, and uh, to to say to be honest, it, the plot is very loosely woven, but it's pretty much about a girl's father who apparently discovers that if you just tune into the right brain waves, you can teleport yourself across the universe. And guess what? He successfully does that. And um, so, of course, he goes missing. And people are wondering why he's gone. And then they discover, the girl discovers that her brother was actually being visited by this kind of very magical superpower woman. And it turns out that they're trying to find her father as well. So hair, her brother, and another friend, and this woman, a whole bunch of other women, they go on an adventure across the universe to these magical different places, trying to find the father, but also trying to start off this dark, evil force that's kind of spreading everywhere. That's probably the best way I could explain the plot.
3: Yeah, it's not easy. Uh, It's just a whole little sci-fi adventure where they do weird magic stuff.
2: Yeah, that's a Um, much better way of saying it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) What did you think about the directing in this film, since it sounds like you got to hear some insight from the director herself, Ava DuVernay?
2: Honestly, I think that Ava really did a lot of things right. Visually, again, it's an excellent film. She got a lot of good people to make this film a reality. And everything technically is stupendous. I mean the world is colorful. It's imaginative. I think that most of the cinematography is good if they just kind of zoomed out a little bit so we can see the bodies. You know, we don't always want to see the whites of their eyes. That would have been nice. But other than that, this techni- the technical side was really good. I think that she could have done more with the actors. She The actors, all a lot of the time, fell plain. Even like these huge, huge actors like Oprah Winfrey, I felt pretty bored listening to Oprah Winfrey talking, which I never thought I'd ever say in my entire life. But it was true, and I was so disappointed about that. So maybe she could have done better with the actors. And I think cinematography, I don't know what was wrong there. Maybe it's because that's what she was making before in other films. But for this film, it would have been good to get some wider shots of the people and the environment. Get away from close-ups. Just because they're talking doesn't mean we have to see their mouths covering up the whole frame.
3: Yeah, if they make a sequel to this, it's just going to be like a whole close-up on their eyes or something. She's going to go, you know, she's going to go revolutionary. It's just going to be on their eyes the whole time. Nothing else.
2: Uh, That's very true.
3: I've heard those criticisms about the movie, and honestly, I don't think it was her fault, really, either that the movie doesn't succeed. So the thing that I think was the fault, the reason this movie doesn't work is the story. So what are your thoughts on this film's story?
2: Look, so my opinion is I'm a person who really likes a film that wants to pretend to be accurate science to be accurate science. If you want to be a fantastical film, be a fantastical film. Go crazy. Go do whatever you want. If you want to be a sci-fi film that doesn't care about science, do that. For example, we're just talking about Ready Player One. Even though it mostly stays to real world reality, there's plenty of... Uh, fictiony things and that's okay it's supposed to be fictiony it's not supposed to take place in the real world they pretended this takes place in the real world they pretended he was a scientist at nasa he was using real logic with quantum entanglement and uh which doesn't really make any sense and it felt like the film had an identity crisis it didn't know if it wanted to be a fantasy or a sci-fi and it tried to interlace the two which really generally doesn't work You can have either one, or you can have a little bit of both, but not full-on half-and-half. It just doesn't work.
3: You said it well. (laughs) That's exactly how I feel. So, I guess we just go into ID now. Uh, You were (laughs) listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we're talking about Ready Player One, Pacific Rim Uprising, Isle of Dogs, Black Panther, Backyard Wilderness, and right now, we'll con- I'll continue my interview with Jerry on A Wrinkle on Time. So, Jerry, you went to an event called The Director's Close-Up um, just about a month ago or so. And Ava DuVernay was there. And so was, the, you know, the composer, the editor, the visual effects supervisor, director of photography, location manager, you name it. So, now of having seen the film, how has your, like, what you heard about it, how has your perception of what you heard about the film changed?
2: Well, of course, I feel a little more personal telling everything that was horrible about the film because I met the people who worked on the film. But uh, my point still stands, and uh, my other point still stands that technically it's an amazing film. I mean, the hairstylist, Kimberly Kimball. She is an artist. The hair was so incredible. Usually you don't pay attention to the hair. It's just something in the background that you say, oh, okay, that looks normal. But here it's magical. It's wondrous. It's something from Alice in the Wonderland. It's just so incredibly beautiful. I mean, the costumes design, but that was also really just top-notch. It was really sad that they made all these beautiful props, this beautiful sound, everything. I mean, the composer, he, Raman Jawadi, he worked on Game of Thrones, and that's an amazing song, and it's an amazing uh, score for this one, too. It's just really disappointing that they did such great work, and then it falls short because of the story and the acting.
3: And let's not even, okay, yeah, like, there's all this great talent, but it's also based on, like, a classic book. Like, it won the Newbery Award. Like, it seems like you yeah. would have taken more care to adapt such a popular novel.
2: And I'm sorry like, to say, that is slightly <sighs> Ava DuVernay's fault. She talked about that, that she wanted to change the story so it, it's a lot more modern, it's a lot more different. I've never read the book myself. But I'd imagine they didn't talk about a NASA scientist who thought that quantum singularity can transform himself across the universe thousands of light years a second. I imagine the book is not about that because that's something much more modern. And honestly, if they kept it a fairytale, which it sounds like the book was, that probably would have been a very enjoyable kids' film that would have been perfect for the whole family.
3: I, I'm fine with them grounding a story in... Modern realism and making it, you know, giving it a setting and giving it a basic, you know, reality and then going into all the weird stuff. But it's just like they tried to make it weird and also realistic and it just doesn't go together. Yeah. So, um... What are your thoughts on the performances from the child actors in this movie? Because they're the ones really, you know, you got Oprah Winfrey, you got heavyweights and they're like Oprah Winfrey, Chris Pine, Mindy Kaling, Reese Witherspoon, but you also have the kids who are mainly the main characters.
2: I think that most of them did really well. I think that's the main character, I believe her name is Storm Reed. Um, well, the character's name is Stormy. She, the, the character's name is Matt. She's played by Storm Reed. I think that she could have done better. She definitely could have done a better job. But overall, for a child actress, because it is a lot harder when you're a child, um, she did a good job. She brought her character out. The character is a very monumental character, and she brought that out good. It's really sad that it's actually the adults who did a worse job. And Reese Witherspoon's <laughs> character is annoying. I'm sorry to say, but it is very annoying. And she's supposed to be kind of this more obnoxious character, but she just plays it fake. And I don't know if that's her fault, if that's the directing fault, if that's the writing's fault, or if it's a combination of all three, but it doesn't come out good. And uh, one of the actors, Mindy Kaling, uh, she did an excellent job in shows like The Office. I mean, I loved her in that show. And in this one, she's just saying phrases from famous people, like, like famous people in history, and that's literally her entire dialogue. And that was a little annoying after a while. I mean, at first, I kind of understand it. I thought it was kind of cool. That's an interesting way of doing it. But after a while, it just got, okay, say something original now. Don't just be a scapegoat when the writers can't think of anything.
3: Okay, two things. Number one. Uh, you would probably dislike the book. Um, <laughs> just gathering, because like, that's all she does in the book.
2: Well, in um, the book, again, I can understand that because it's a book, you know? it's You experience it a lot differently than a film.
3: That's true. But, uh, and also, I like Therese Witherspoon because I generally think she's annoying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she played herself uh, perfectly then. Yeah, exactly. I thought she was wonderfully well cast. So talk a little bit about, there's a lot of stuff going on in this movie, but I sort of got a lesson out of it. So what do you think the lesson of this movie is?
2: It was physically impossible not to know the lesson. The lesson is to kind of be yourself and don't let anybody shut you down. And the, a, a good moral in a film is when it's slowly revealed through the story, through lessons that the character learns and you kind of figure out yourself. This film just tells you it many many times in the first act and then in the second act and then in the third act and then they tell you that again and again and again and that really made the moral just kind of a tool even if it was like that in the book it felt more like advice to a character instead of a moral that the audience is supposed to get away and this is a Film for kids, I mean, there's a lot of important messages that should be talked about. Like, there's bullying and there's losing your father and things like that. But they kind of just skip over that so they can get into the magical, beautiful worlds and all that. And that really defeats a core part of kids' films. That's to teach them something.
3: Yeah, it's like Mickey Mouse sort of pounded the message into your head.
2: Exactly.
3: Yourself thing. (laughs) <laughs> I
2: wanted them to stop but I didn't know how
3: <laughs> It's like turn off the movie <laughs> So yeah final questions so I'm gathering that the star rating is not gonna be high but oh we're gonna talk about star it would be... rating an age rating about this film uh, for this film excuse me
2: um for your star rating I have to say that because technically it is a masterpiece I mean the worlds are just so so beautiful and it looks. Fantastical like it's supposed to be so clearly the visual effects people knew what this film was supposed to be so good for them on that I would have to give it a three out of five stars those two stars was probably the acting acting job And I have to say that Eva DuVernay may have done some of her role well But it is the director's job to make the film successful and the film is not a success It's usually the director who takes the hit So I have to say that's mainly the director's fault for how the film turned out and for an age range I still say it's a family film it's almost all ages. There are those few sadder things like losing your father and getting bullied, so I'd give an age rating up around, I want to say, 10 to 11 to 18 would be good.
3: All right. Well, yeah. Uh, thank you for talking with me about A Wrinkle in Time. Um, so, it's out in theaters now. Go see it if you want to. Don't go see it. It sounds like you would sort of recommend it more for the visuals than for the directing and story.
2: I definitely would. Um,
3: so, thank you for talking with me today about this.
2: Well, thank you so much for letting me talk about it.
3: No problem. You've been listening to Kids First coming attractions, to watch our latest reviews of the late to watch our reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music and apps to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our blog in the teens section of Huffington Post and check out our YouTube channel. You can get there easily from by accessing our homepage at kidsfirst.org. The show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for the Voice America Kids Network. I am Benjamin, and this show is sponsored by Molang Season 2. See you later, guys.